Welcome to The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast. You can find us on Facebook at The Old World Lives, on Instagram at The Old World Lives, and you can reach us by email at theoldworldlives at gmail.com. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of The Old World Lives podcast, a Warhammer Fantasy and uh, slightly related podcast because we usually go on tangents. With me tonight I have Jimmy. Hello, everyone. And Nicholas. Greetings. And as far as we all know, we are apparently at least sufficiently socially distanced from each other. And Yes, and luckily we muted Krell once again. Yeah, he's here in the spirit and in his muteness. So, everyone doing all right? Yeah, still alive. Same here. Nothing really changes for me because I still have to go to work and everything. The only thing that changed in my life is no more movie theaters. They closed down. Yeah, yeah. I have also had to go to work this week and can notice a bit less people, but still a lot of people moving around. So we'll see what next week's what next week brings. Yeah, well, for me, well, they suspended uni, so we're doing distance courses, which is such a huge change for me. That was planning to go in about three more times this semester, whatever it is. So, yeah, this is hard. But uh, on the other side, my fiance is also home now, so it's uh, different. Yeah, I'm almost jealous of people that can work from home. If only I could work at home and just paint some slayers during the day, that'd be awesome. You wouldn't work at all. You would only paint the slayers. Hopefully. If I could get away with it, then yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair, no one believes you would actually paint. You would just sit and play like uh, Hearts of Iron or War Thunder or something. That is um, the sad truth. Last weekend, I felt like, oh, perfect. I have so much time to paint. And then I didn't paint anything. So this weekend, I really have to at least just paint the skin on my slayers. Sounds like a plan. I've replayed Witcher 3 these past days, so <laughs> including the expansions. The current, currently, currently, the only thing I have left is finding paintings for the chateau, the wine vineyard you get in oh. the expansion. Then so, you know... Yeah. You've really played The Witcher. Yeah. So, of course, I've restarted Fallout 4 and Skyrim as well. So I really <laughs> don't have to paint. I don't have to paint. What about you, Jimmy? You've done some Necromunda lately. Yes, a lot of Necromunda, actually. So that, that, that's that been keeping me occupied. And uh, we, we are kind of risking getting contagious uh, by by all the things out there because we meet up and play games at this local gaming store and at my gaming den but we have sanitizers and a lot of soap so, so we'll did be you, fine did you finish the more time campaign you were playing currently or no we're 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 still playing it as well we're trying to find a date where we can play next time hopefully next weekend nice so what you're saying that you can actually meet other people as long as you wash your hands yes. and not cast them in their eyes? Yes. But how does that work? Do you have to... It doesn't. <laughs> That's a funny thing. <laughs> Nothing works and everything works. That's brilliant. Well, I personally have actually finished stuff, painting stuff. I finished painting my goblin, which is not... Well, hey. Which hasn't been posted to the uh, podcast uh, Instagram, but it has been posted to my personal one. But it might go up as a, just a nice little picture on the podcast one to, get, to see that even I can finish projects and then everyone can finish projects. 
Yeah, and this is this goblin is why Chris won't paint elves. Remember that, everyone. <laughs> Speaking of elves, I'm actually also working on my bolt throwers for this the month's pledge. So, as a reminder, we still have the monthly challenge, and now that people are more confined to home, maybe they can actually have time to finish painting them as well. Yeah, we encourage people to do yay painting. Yeah, there's been a lot of people uh, pledging stuff to paint us all, so that's great to see. Yeah. Yeah. Someone ple- pledged a warp lightning cannon yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that you're to blame for that one. Yes, I am. Arms dealer. Yes, yes. So, should we take that as you haven't painted anything, Nicholas, or just played uh, video games? Yes, that is the sad truth. But I promise I will paint on my flares now. It won't be part of the monthly challenge, but I think I'm just going to try and paint them this month anyway. Well, there's a clause for the monthly challenge. If you don't want to paint something that exactly fits the theme, paint something cool. So you could follow that one if you want to. Otherwise, yep. there's all, all, always next month or the month after that. Yeah. We're going to continue running them as long as people as long as long people continue painting. We're going to continue running them. So. As long as there are people alive, there will be painting challenges to keep you busy. Yeah. So total collapse of society isn't a, isn't a valid reason for not painting? No, definitely not. Yeah. If uh, you, you, if there's no internet anymore, you'll just have to have like a, a messenger rat. You just send uh, Instax pictures of your painting miniatures. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of painted miniatures, there's actually been some uh, news since last uh, recording. And one yeah. of them is, for some reason, a terrain piece with an elf with giant horns on his head, for some reason, on top of it. Yeah, I don't know about these new elves. The, the spearmen <laughs> and the riders were great. Like, oh, that would be perfect. Just fix the head a bit and they're good to go. And these new ones, I'm not so sure anymore. Just remove the bowstrings. That's all I'm saying. Or at least old, mo- old models mod- didn't have bowstrings. Mod- Why would new ones need to have bowstrings? Or you could remove two out of three bowstrings on the top. Yeah, they're, part. they're making up for it. They're making up for never having bowstrings. Yeah. yeah. You just have to put a lot of bowstrings. Yeah. I might actually get those minis and then change the bows and the heads for them because I have bows and heads. And the body. To spare. No, no. The body's nice. I like the bows in general. But the one with the giant horns, I'm not. Sh- I don't really know why it's they had to make it. It's all about balance, bro. But the bottom part is a really, really nice waystone. It could be a nice terrain piece, and then they have to put a reworked private press model on top of it. Like, yeah, so that's a warcaster that they just added a staff and horns to. Yeah, not impressed. No, that's. Uh, that's probably going to be a pause for a lot of people that don't particularly just play him for, for the rules. Yeah. And then we have the Daughters of Cain Warband for, uh, what's that game called? Uh, Warhammer Underworlds. Yeah. So you got some cool new characters that you could definitely slot into uh, either just uh, uh, which elf unit or as a character in like the... Yeah. yeah. Or put them on a uh, shrine. Yeah. Yeah, remove the original models. I know that I I know that I said this the other day when we talked about this in another chat. Which is, you can use one as a sorceress, and that's obviously the center one with the 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 spear. You could just model the spear to look like a staff, or just keep the spear because it's a dark dark elf after all. And then you got uh, 
a an assassin and you got a, like a witch elf champion of some some sort. You got a really cool snake statue and a model that you should just toss in the bin. <laughs> is that the the snake lady? No, the snake lady is a cool statue. The ah. the har- the stripper harlequin is the one you should toss in the bin. Yeah, the spear lady. I, I think I'd use her as one of the uh, uh, like what are you called hags. Yeah, not a sorceress. I would use her as a hag. But you don't have hags. Isn't in a hag edition. a sorceress? No, they're not. They're fighter characters. Yeah, but you don't All have right. those in sixth edition. They're not. They're not an option in sixth edition. That's why I said sorceress. That is true. But you could also use her as like a regular hero character, like a lord, like a lord hero for a fighter character, just to give her. As you said, call her a hag and use her as a regular character. Or, well, not not mage. So the prince or commander, or whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah, they're good models. Definitely have a use in uh, Warhammer oh, yeah. Fantasy. And they're quite nice, uh, small. A lot of these underworlds and the base grave kids, you might look at them and not see what, what is the use of this, this one for me. But if you want to, you could mostly reappropriate everything as characters in your respective army. Because yeah, there's tons of anything, good stuff. If, if anything, they look the part. Yeah. yeah. I've seen uh, uh, Andrzej, who was on the show, used uh, one of the Beastmen as a Beastman character. That looked yeah. awesome. Cool. And if you play Wood Elves and you get the one from the... Because they're not sep- so separately yet, I think, are they? The Wood Elf from Beastgrave. Not, Not sure. yet. No, but uh, that they got a what is basically a Kentaur kind of model, and that could mm. just be a uh, forest spirit kindred uh, character for your wood elves. Yeah, I can see where you're going, because the forest spirit characters have to be mounted. Yeah, they don't they don't have to be mounted on anything particular. So it's basically just a spectral horse or something. Mm. Yeah, I'm super happy about the uh, the furies that I got from the that oh, box Warcry. as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got to look at them the other day. They're so cool. Yeah, they're awesome. Great scale and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I'm really glad. They're just releasing cool models in general. And Cool models never a bad thing for the hobby. Yeah, and it's just a lot of use um, in fantasy as well. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. And if you don't want to use stuff in fantasy, just check out the new Necromunda stuff, the new Escher, the new Enforcer stuff that are coming up. Yeah. Those bow- bows would look really cool on the elves that the Escher got. All right. Is there any new stuff except for the fact that there probably won't be many news in the coming months? <laughs> well, there will be at least two live streams the f- two following coming weekends. I think. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So the... they canceled Adepticon and a bunch of other stuff. So they'll instead of releasing stuff there, they're going to release them online. So that that's actually nice. For I wasn't going there anyway, so that's nice to just have them. It's a yeah. win for me. And the same is basically true for every convention this year so far. Yeah, but they've re- cancelled everything for the entire year. Yeah. Could also mention that the Warhammer community team is now on Twitter, if anyone's interested. Mm. What, I am, what I am sad about, though, is that Salute is cancelled. Yeah. Um, so this big convention in London uh, where the, like all the companies are uh, is cancelled. So that's a bit of a shame. So hoping going there. And also the tournament that I was going to at the end of March is also cancelled, obviously. So yeah. uh, that's uh, is that due to restrictions on movement and how many people can attend or gather at one time, or is that too small for that? I, I don't I don't know if um, there's been any set rules 
for how many you can gather. Uh, it's just like you've been told you shouldn't gather social yeah. in pubs well, and movie theaters and stuff like that. Yeah, it makes sense. Social distancing, yeah. people, it's a thing. Yeah, I've heard though yeah. that in... Uh, Us Swedes are good at it. We did it before, it was cool. Yeah, it's just act like you're at a Swedish bus stop. Yeah, on the other hand, now people are actually wanting to go outside and meet people just because they are want to be a bit anti-establishment, basically. So <laughs> people are... So, uh, enough about that. The live streams that the, the Games Workshop has announced are on Saturday the 28th of March at uh, 2 p.m. GMT and uh, Saturday the 4th of April at uh, 2 p.m. BST, for those interested, because we just referenced them. What is BST? No idea. Bullshit time. <laughs> Probably. Maybe it's the maybe it's the new uh, Brexit standard time. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, would make sense. Well, the EU did offer UK to post- postpone Brexit. So it's the British summertime. So it's uh, because it's summertime after after that. Oh. Hmm. All right. Uh, are or we done with the new uh, stuff? It might also be a company that uh, builds the sprinkler systems for fire security. Yes, we are we're obviously done with the new stuff when we talk, start to talk about uh, fire security. So, what do we have on the agenda this week or month? Or We're not sure how often we're actually pub- publishing this anymore. We had an, in the beginning, we probably had another aim entirely of the rate you were publishing now. But yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, this episode, we are going to talk about. Hmm, I'm just going to look around my desk and see if I can see anything to read from. Is it potty? Is it a cup of coffee? No, it's not. It's the hordes of chaos. Chaos. Ooh. The men of the north. Or just dirty, dirty heretics. Yeah. Hordes yeah. of Chaos, an army's book of malevolent intent. Yeah, such a great line. Yeah, so this is what we're going to talk about this time. It will be the Hordes of Chaos and not the Beast of Chaos, nor the Demons, because those two will be in another episode. And that is, uh, well, it's twofold, both to uh, alleviate us having to sit here for the entirety of this day and actually remember what we're doing at the end. And also for ease of your listening. And in these times, we are going to try to at least make it somewhat enjoyable. Yeah, uh, I've been looking forward to doing Chaos. It's uh, one of the, the greatest factions in the warmer universe, I think. It's the great enemy, and it's almost always the, the arch nemesis of the storyline. Yeah, they've always been the arch enemy, so to speak. Yeah. Chaos is inevitable. We know it will win. Although we kind of saw it did win. We're, but we're not counting that as a win. That was a great loss to everyone, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so no moment silence by... for the old world. <laughs> there have been years of silence for the death of the world. We're back now. Yeah. No more silence. That's true. Right, so opening up the Horse of Chaos book, there there's a foreword by Gav, Gav Thorpe, uh, and he is talking about uh, just creating a book for Chaos, because Chaos has always been in the fantasy universe and has always been the enemy. And the first books were Realm of Chaos, uh, Slaves of Darkness, and Lost and Damned. Two really good books. Yeah. Also, two totally insane books because there's just yeah. endless content 
and it's all over the place. And you can use them both for fantasy and 40k and the fantasy role playing game. And there's like D thousand tables that are just insane. Yeah. Like you roll on them and you find out that you have like an extra head on your left pink toe. Yeah. Also, both books are available at Warhammer World as well. So in those books, you uh, could create really crazy warbands and armies of just all kinds of creatures, like different races, and they have different traits, and some of them sweat acid, some of them uh, can fly with the use of their ears, and just mad things. So in, in the books that they created for 6th edition, they kind of wanted them to become more uniform, uh, but still keeping the chaotic nature of them. So you notice more and more that they made them more uniform. So you have like the, the old books, Realm of Chaos, and then the Warm Army's Chaos book in 4th or 5th edition. And they're very crazy. You can have all kinds of stuff. And then in 6th edition, they streamlined it, but you can still take... Uh, mortals, beastmen, and demons in the same army. And then in 7th edition, they just made those three into their own separate armies. Which is a shame, because we all know that beastmen belongs beside mortals as their slaves. No, no, they be- technically belong in front of mortals as uh, arrow shield. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, I just love that about uh, these books in 6th edition. You can really mix and match. Like the, the army that I created, I have like a core of uh, Chaos Warriors. And then I have some Furies flying around. And then I have like uh, just a herd of Beastmen just uh, running in the forest next to them. Just creates a very thematic and mixed army. Yeah. So before we go into how you structure an army, though, we're going to talk about chaos in general. What is chaos? So chaos is... Inevitable. Yeah, chaos. And yes. So chaos is like the the uh, the alternative universe, like the the other side, the dark side, and the entities that that live there are a reflection of the psyche of all living things in the real world. And you have different entities that represent the different emotions of the living beings in the real world. So most of you probably already know about chaos and you know about the f- big four chaos gods, Siege, Changer of Ways, Korn, the Blood God, Nurgle, Lord of the Decay, and Slanesh, the Dark Prince. But there are also some minor gods. We won't go into detail about them now, but we just wanted to let you know that they exist. So we have Malau. So what is the aspect of Malau, you guys? Anti-chaos. To commit as much mischief as you can against the other gods. Yeah. I like to describe him as the punk god, just anti-establishment in chaos. Uh, apparently, the aspect of him is like, or like the the way his follower looks is just a lot of spikes and stuff. So definitely the punk god. And then we have uh, Hushut, the chaos dwarf, chaos god that is just like a flaming bull, and he is only worshipped by the chaos dwarves. I'm just gonna say, you if know. you want my comment on Hashit, just reference back to the war special. And then we have the uh, the Skaven God. We were we had a discussion before this episode. Like, is he really a Chaos God? What do you say, Jimmy? And the answer is yeah, but also no. Yeah, so he is definitely God, and he is very evil, and he's probably a Chaos God. And then, like it's Jimmy pointed out as well, like in the realm of Chaos book, you have ways of creating your own gods as well. So there are definitely other beings in the Chaos Realms that are kind of gods, or are they just aspect of the uh, the four big gods? 
who can really tell. And especially in the later books, they've kind of streamlined it and only mentioned the big four gods. Uh, so we're going to read out uh, the page on the gods and the horse of Chaos book, which are really good. And then we're going to have some discussion about the gods, how they operate and how to represent them. Yes. So, so I will start with Siege, Changer of the Ways. Siege is the Changer of the Ways, and Change is the essence of Chaos itself as well as of the ever-mutating ever energy that is known to the mortals as magic, also known as Tsar among the barbarians of the north, Chen in the exotic east, and Shunj in the steaming jungles of the south. His name is always a byword for change. Everywhere, though, he is the great schemer, a subtle manipulator with an all-encompassing knowledge. His plans are inevitably convoluted uh, and vast, spanning across untold eons, Inexplicable and contradictionary to all mortal minds, he's the puppet master, pulling the strings of fate and controlling the destiny of his followers and enemies alike. Siege does not have a single form, normally manifesting himself as a cloud of light that constantly changes color. His symbol is often a representation of the writhing serpent of change, and his demons and champions are frequently gifted with eerie bird-like beaks, claws, and multicolored feathers. Their skin and armor is in constant flow, changing shape and color, forming grotesque, crackling faces that mock their opponents, always repeating their words with new and disturbing nuances. Siege gifts those who honor him with superior magical power that they craftfully use to bend reality to their will. Among the northern tribes, shamans pray to him, asking for predominance over the warrior chieftains and fortune in all of their magical endeavors. Ultimately, they will receive the gift of mutation far beyond others, and that when that time come, they will accept it with an ecstatic abandon. In the Empire and the other kingdoms of man, worshippers of Siege gather in secret covens by which they use every means to increase their own personal standing and to expand the influence of their patron. The ones who are most vulnerable to the lore of the great mutator are wizards, scholars, and other educated individuals who thirst for more knowledge and ultimately for power. These sects are normally led by a magister, the most powerful sorcerer among the members, and divided into many different levels of, of affiliation. They are so secretive and complex that the only one who knows the identity of all the cultists is the magister himself. Few of the followers of Siege can reach the end of the long road that leads to the title of champion, but those few become the most awesome of all champions of the Dark Gods. They are blessed with both exceptional warrior skills and the mighty magical powers of the Lord of Magic. This deadly combination makes them a very dangerous foe. Cunning leaders and awesome warriors who command their armies with unnerving prescience. How is it possible to defeat any an opponent who seems to know your every move in advance? Yeah, Siege is basically the master of magic, and uh, it's all very fun in the in all the novels to read about Siege because they used to have the craziest plans and very uh, innovative ways of achieving his goal. What do you guys think of Siege? Well, he would make a really good Saturday morning cartoon villain, if anything. Always <laughs> scheming, always plotting. That's pretty much what I was going to say. Or like the ultimate Bond villain in the old movies where they always had to explain their entire reasoning and thought process on how they were going to end the world or get this load of cocaine in one movie. Huh. Yeah, yeah, he's the ultimate like scheming evil boss. It's, yeah, I I really get the feeling of villain, real villainy. 
when I think of Cinch. It's the mustache I mean, twirling. Some, I mean, and some, some, some small things lead to Cinch because some, someone wants change in their life. And they might end up following Cinch just because of that. Or that you are a mage that really wants more power, but you can't get it because you're not good enough. You might, just bar- bar- might, might just bargain a bit or read the wrong book and you're doomed. Yeah. It also so, starts small. I think like in the, the northern waste, they are just like full on battle majors trying to annihilate everything where the, the chaos of winds blow strong. And in the, the empire and other human settlements, uh, they are most usually like politicians wanting to, to gain power and just screwing with his ad- adversaries. And also yeah. scholars who st- thirsting for knowledge they can only and, get from siege. And not every time they have evil intent, but it always leads to it. Yeah, that is very true for like most of the cults and empires. Yeah. I don't think they even know that they're worshipping a, a chaos god at first. No. There might just be a magis- magister at the top that keeps your, his entire cult oblivious to who they are actually serving. And thus yeah. gaining the power from the belief in the of the cult. Yeah, maybe like uh, he's like, oh, I really want to know about that thing, or I really want that job. How can I get it? And then the magister just says like, oh, take this uh, this brick and just put it on this windowsill at this time, and it will happen. And then he does it, and then they get this promotion from a really shitty job to a less shitty job, and like, oh, it really worked. And then he will start believing the magister, and then we'll just like keep doing tasks. No, also that the brick. A bird flew past, pushed it, and then it landed on the head of some enemy of the cult, probably, and killed him. And then he, he just keeps going, and they just, like get sucked into this cult and just do these tasks with the magister until they become higher up in the cult. And then eventually, they're just full-blown chaos worshippers. Yeah, when you finally notice you're in too deep, you're too deep to get out of it there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, chaos, uh, oh, siege in the... And the, the battlefield, they are just the wizard, the wizard army. Like, like all your champions become wizards and you have really powerful destructive magic. And they're still fighting champions, which is the which is what makes them stand out from usual chaos sorcerers. Yeah, yeah. So you instead of taking sorcerers, you used to upgrade your champion to a siege champion and he becomes a wizard as well. So that's great. So he still retains all his fighting prowess. But now it's also a mage, right? Mm-hmm. Anything more we want to say about Sinch? Then let's move on to his uh, his opposite. Yes, his counterpart, Corn, the Blood God. Corn is the Blood God, the Lord of Skulls, also known amongst many of the northern tribes as Arkar or Karnoth, as well as a myriad of other names. He is perceived as an angry, raging god of bestial strength and merciless battle prowess who rewards bravery, might at arms, and conquest. In a few deceptions of Corn that exists, he is represented as an overly muscul- muscled, beast-headed being sitting on a massive brass throne atop of a mountain of skulls said to be the skulls of those slain by his champions, as well as the heads of his followers who have fallen in battle. Chained to his throne are flesh hounds, and it is written in dark texts that followers can call upon corn and let, let loose these merciless hunters upon a foe, in particular those craven enemies who refuse to fight in an open battle. There are no temples of corn and few true ceremonies in his name, 
for he is the god of war and is worshipped on the battlefield. The only known dedications to his bloodthirsty battle cry is roared by all his followers. Blood for the blood god! In the wider world beyond the chaos waste, some worship the god Korn. No, let's do that again. In the- I'm not cutting this out. Please keep this in. <laughs> yes, it's fine. It's fine. Keep it in. So what's the, the god's name, the new one you're going to talk about? In the wider world, beyond the chaos waste, some worship the god Cain, the lord of murder. Though whether he's an elven god of Cain is corn by another name or a lesser power in his own right is debated by scholars inclined to such heret- heretical and dangerous subjects. Corn despises spellcasting and magical in general, although magical weapons and armor that aid the slaughter in his name are a different matter. There are no wizards dedicated to corn, for a champion of corn is the embodiment of the warrior who battles his enemy face to face rather than blasts his foe from afar with magical bolts. Axes are favored are the favorite weapons of corn by another common mark worn by his followers is the collar of corn a massive studded ring clasped clasped around the neck in an imitation to the collars worn by the flesh hounds champions of corn are unpredictable fighters for they believe that a day gone by without the death in corn's name is a day wasted for this reason they are as likely to attack friends as much as foes particularly when true enemies are hard to come by. Corn champions are highly competitive, and unless they believe that their god has brought them together for a grander battle to come, when two champions meet, it almost inevitably ends in bloodshed and the death of one or both of them. So, Corn seems to be like a kind guy, right? He oh, yeah. is like the, the embodiment of chaos, I think. He's just the, 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 He's the, most, the most bad, bad, bad guy. He also really do contain a lot of uh, aspects of the warrior gods of all, basically all European religions. Yeah, also some yeah. some of the gods from the Empire. <coughs> Ulrich. <coughs> yeah. yeah. So the, 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 the typical True. barbarian god. Yeah. His followers are just total... Uh, total maniacs. Yeah. Anger yeah. management. They're all Arnold Schwarzeneggers. But not yeah. all... But not <laughs> all. <laughs> But yet, yet, not all of them fall to the fury side. They fight, fall to the martial pro- prowess and the tactic side of fighting, which is interesting. All of that is uh, not the aspect I think of when I think of corn followers. To be Me honest, neither. But no, I, but they are, they are the in, thing the, is, in the fluff that there are still gen- mighty generals that fall to corn, yeah. they, but they don't get reckless. No, they are able to to hold their their feelings strong until they are in battle hand-to-hand with their enemy. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's interesting, given that he did used to have, at least in going back to the second Conrad book, Korn actually used to have ascended mortals as uh, followers. And that included some some people, some beings that were basically demonettes of Korn. Mm. So Korn, when I think of him as well, I think mostly of Northmen. I don't really see followers in Korn as much uh, in cults as I see the other gods. Like maybe like Pit Fighter or someone who constantly fights, but he feels like they will too easily be overcome by Korn and be found out about. Uh, but it is like the typical typical god for a northern raiding band, I think. Yeah, I mean there are some corn cults in the empire, like uh, a known one, but not well known because all cults are incognito. Is one in Nuln, where the local city guard have like 
a small little coven, they meet, they train, they fight, they get better at fighting, but it's all in the name of corn, and they don't really know it. Yeah, that's a classic chaos thing. Like They worship chaos, but they don't really know what they've gotten themselves into. And when it comes to fighters and warriors, it's really easy to fall to corn as well if you always strive to become the best fighter and warrior can be, you can want, can become. You might just take those small little steps that make you surrender part of your soul for maybe more accuracy or a more furious blow or more stamina in battle. Bigger biceps, bro. Yeah, skipping just, leg day. Just uh, chop a few skulls of your enemy. It's not like you're not killing them anyway. Just toss them on a pile, say a few words, and boom. Boil them, in a pot, boil them in a pot so you can get all of, rid of all that nasty skin and meat. So you get pure skulls. Yeah, but be happy, be happy that he won't scheme against you. No, yeah. you just put an axe in your face if you try to scheme against him. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty predictable. You know what he's after. Uh, yeah. The difficulty is denying him of killing you. So on the in the, the game, Korn is obviously used good at fighting. Doesn't use yeah. magic, but he's got a really good magic resistance and he will use go for your throat and try and kill your entire army. We'll get into that more later on. Anything else to say mm -hmm. about the corn? No, right, then, nothing that's then not a bad know. joke on the name. <laughs> <laughs> then let's move on to the god that we can feel the presence of the most at the very moment. Nurgle, Lord of Decay, known also as Nurglich, Onogal, Nyglen, and by many other titles, Nurgle is the Lord of Decay. It is he who unleashes famines and pestilence upon the world. And so it is to Nurgle that mortals turn when they wish protection from the ravages of disease, age and the inevitable decline brought by the passing of years. When the crops are spoiled, when a child falls feverish and when wounds begin to fester on the field of battle, supplications are offered to Nurgle for him to stay his hand. To his followers, Nurgle appears as a massively bloated creature festering with boils, poxes, and surrounded by a dark cloud of flies, each of which carries the symbol of the god upon his carapace. His skin is rent and torn, and from its exposed guts spill the Nurglings, the spiteful mites of Nurgle. Nurgle is said to delight in every new pox, every unique rash and blister, and of all the gods takes the most interest in the plight of his mortal followers. Nurgle is portrayed as a kindly, almost jovial god, known often as Father or Grandfather Nurgle. While foolish non-believers may moan and gnash their teeth and pull their hair when plague sweeps the lands and villagers and towns tumble into ruin, those dedicated to Nurgle laugh to see great works of their master. They have accepted the futility of defying Nurgle and the inescapable dilapidation that he brings and instead embrace the delights of decay and disease, the pleasures of entropy and ruin. He bestows his gifts on pestilence and decay with a generous spirit. Nurgle's champions, ravaged by disease, are themselves protected from such plagues, for they become inured to the pain and discomfort, and while their bodies may corrupt, the spirit of Nurgle sustains them when lesser mortals would die. Thus, the champions of Nurgle can endure wounds and afflictions that would cripple others and yet still fight on in its name. They are horrific to look upon, 
more so even than other champions of chaos, for their peeling flesh, their stomachs bloated with corpse gases, and their charnel stench is a reminder of the fate that awaits all living creatures. Sounds just lovely, doesn't it? Yeah. He's nasty. Nasty. So nasty. He's smelly, bro. Yeah. It's a, it's a quite interesting god, because, as I say, he's the most relatable and most that everyone basically can uh, fall to all of his temptations because every, if you live in the countryside and a plague ravages your village who are going to turn to you can't really turn to a church with there maybe one or two healers that can't really do anything other than pray or you can just make a small sacrifice and an offering of uh, a bit of future service and you might get well enough to survive yeah, yeah. Seems like Nurgle is the the thing that affects the daily life of most people in the world. Because like siege, it's mostly for higher up people, and corn is used for battle. But like Nurgle will affect you no matter if you want it or not. Like everyone's gonna die, everyone's gonna get sick sometime, and if your children fall really ill and they're gonna die, then if you pray to Nurgle, there's a very big chance that he's gonna listen to you but he's going to ask for something in return. Or maybe not. Or just in. give you more gifts and let you live with it. Yeah. yeah. Here, have some extra plague. Yeah. But it says like he's the, the, the god that listens the most to, to his followers. And like he's portrayed as kind by his followers as well. So it would just be really easy to fault him. And I feel like uh, the other cults have like few powerful people, but Nurgle would have just a lot of very basic followers. And probably a lot of them, as we've talked about with all the other gods so far, probably don't know that this is to Nurgle they have turned, because it might just be to the old hermit or the village witch or the, the yeah. stranger that just walked into town one day and offered a solution to the plague that has uh, been devastating village yeah. 82 of the empire because no one cares to name them anymore yeah and he's and he has like a bunch of uh, different names as well and they sound pretty different like onogal you would never know that's nurgle and uh like there are a lot of gods in uh, in the empire as well maybe as you say like a traveler comes by and just tells you about this other god that you have never heard of but oh yeah that village uh, worships this god and they're all healthy even in spite of this plague this reaving in the land, I bet yeah. many people in our world wouldn't mind praying to Nurgle right now. Maybe they would get like blisters all over the body, but they would still be perfectly healthy because they wouldn't care about it. I mean, they wouldn't be perfectly healthy, but they wouldn't mind being unhealthy. They wouldn't be dead. They wouldn't mind having their entrails on the wrong side of their rib cage. <laughs> That might also be because since it's a corruption, it might just rewrite the person in the end. It might just not be Hans just the makes farmer you happy. anymore. Just makes you happy. Yeah, I think it's like the most visible corruption of any god. Uh, and that is also like a great thing for people playing Nurgle. It's just a, a great uh, modeler's army. There's so yeah. many things you can do with them. Yeah, that's more than just uh, like an extra eye or a tentacle or a beak. You can change yeah. the entire entire miniature, and there are some really great Nurgle miniatures. There are great of the great ones of the other gods or their followers as well, but the Nurgle ones are great and easy to paint. If yeah. you if you can be sloppy and make it look good, you're gonna make a nice Nurgle army. And 
how do what do we how do we stand on that Nurgle just really wants to shag Everqueen? <laughs> uh, oh wait, that's that's AOS. Sorry. Is it? it oh, yeah, yeah, that's 40, actually that's, that's actually that's actually that's actually AOS. So, so in forty k, yeah, he uh, takes one Shags of the elven Isha. elven gods. Yeah, yeah, Isha, yeah. Uh, elder yeah. god. Yeah. And in uh, AOS is invading her forest all of the time. Yeah. So Nurgle, the 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 incel of chaos gods. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we all know that Nurgle is temp- tempting, and given that he even, despite everything, managed to lure so many followers to his side, he is one of the most powerful chaos gods, even amongst the four. Yeah. Speaking of temptation and luring. Yeah. Should we move on to the the final of the big four? Yeah. Slanish, the Dark Prince. So he is the least powerful one. I just wanted to start with that. I don't is he created or born in the fantasy universe as he is in the fourth He just exists. Just yeah, exists. It's always been there. He starts existing the, the moment the old ones, the gateway to the, the old ones built and the what's now the chaos wastes explode. So All right. since, it, since it used to be that the worlds were linked, but not linked, so to speak, or not officially, the warmer world was a world, the old world was in a world inside the general future world, so to speak. It might just be that he started existing the day the Elder fell, but that's in fluff that's based on fluff that's probably older than you are nicholas yeah probably all right let me read this fluff slanesh the dark prince slanesh the dark prince of chaos is the youngest of the four greater chaos gods known under multitude of names including shornal and lanshor the lord of pleasures patron of all things beautiful and seductive master of excess and creative power his realms of influence include music art and passion embodiment of indulgence in all his forms Slanish's allure is highly addictive, and those who follow him are quickly overcome by the seductive vices of pride, arrogance, and excess. Divinely beautiful and alluring, Slanish is portrayed as exuding a palpable and irresistible charm. Slender, long-limbed, and elegant, the god is completely androgynous and defies the natural order of the world. I don't know if this is politically correct anymore. Uh, he teases the souls of his enemies from their bodies as they gaze with adoration and longing into the hidden depths of his lustrous eyes. Slanish and his many guises is honored all through the Northland, as well within the Old World. The tribesmen of the North seek to favor Slanish for personal gain, for the Dark Prince of Chaos has within his power to instill his followers with a portion of his radiant glory, ensuring that mere mortals will fall at their feet in devotion. In ages past, a faction of the elves of Ultman fell into perverted worship of the Lord of Pleasure, and this is what is rumored to have brought about the great division of that noble race. In hidden covens within the hearts of the great cities and throughout the decadent upper classes of society, secretive cults thrive. How many have inadvertently slipped into the tender embrace of Slanish as they succumbed to the sense of self-indulgence? How many great leaders of men have turned to the dark prince of chaos to secure their position or to gain the support and respect of their fellows? Slanesh hungrily preys upon these mortal weaknesses and delights in the devotion that is heaped upon him. Champions of Slanesh are majestic, charismatic leaders who are adored by their followers and attract large warbands. Such adoration is easily easy to embrace and as the champion becomes more absorbed with his goal, he becomes more distant from his followers. 
his aloofness and otherworldly persona only fuel their adoration. The glories of Slanesh are great, and Slaneshi champions are immensely proud of the gifts bestowed upon them by the Dark Prince, bathing in the praise heaped on upon them by the lesser mortals. They are imposing individuals, with an allure and attraction that goes beyond mere physical beauty and move with effortless grace and exquisite precision. The sheer presence of a champion of Slanesh is inspiring. They are surrounded by an aura that delights others and drives them to acts of great loyalty and sacrifice. They become removed from mortal concerns, so that pain, fear, loyalty and humanity are left behind, leaving them entirely focused on achieving their own ambitions. All other creatures become subservient to the will of the champion. They're merely, they're merely to give adulation or be destroyed. Yeah, he is pretty pimp. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, baby. Uh, yeah, I think Slanesh is a really cool god because he fits in in so many places, uh, both yeah, in the north also, and cults. Also, I think Slanesh is the only god that doesn't want to destroy human society. I mean, he is he gains a lot from humans because of the joy, the sensations they feel with the humans gone, society gone. What else would he do? Yeah, his slanish was born through emotions, after all. So no emotions, no slanish. It's quite quite easy. Yeah, yeah. He just fits in so well with humans because he's a part of so much of their daily existence. Because like Nurgle will affect people when there's sickness about, but slanish will always be there. People will always have these emotions. Yeah, and uh, when it comes to elves, yes, slanish was probably working through other elven gods or aspects of elven gods in uh, leading up to the fall of and division of uh, the elven race. But on the other hand, if you are living forever, what do you really have to live for? So you might just enjoy your time. Yeah, I might just have like crazy sex orgies also filled yeah. with slaughter and shit. Yeah, majestic also, slaughter. Yeah. Also, as mentioned in in the first paragraph, there is that it isn't just passion and excess in the way of sex or domination and stuff like that. It is in everything. If you want to be the world's greatest chef, you could probably worship Slanish because you worship yeah. perfection side. If you want to yeah. be the best swordsman, if you want to be the best poet, if you want to be the best, uh, basically anything, if you want to be the best, Slanish could probably help you get there. The yeah, only and cost. He, he will. The okay. thing is, he, it, it will cost you what you love, because if you want to be yeah. the best musician there is, you will find music so dull, so you need to go further lengths in the same kind of music. Yeah. So in the end, it's just going to be like what it's in 40k with the Noise Marines. When you have the, pos- the possibility of being the perfect one, you will notice every little fault, even if it isn't there. And nothing you do yeah. will give you joy anymore because you have to just keep pushing. And the thing is, Slanish feeds on your joy, your feelings. So he will dull your senses. At first, t- take it like a, a Slanish worshipper starts doing drugs. Wow, this feels great. The first time, and then it gets duller and duller and duller. Then he needs something stronger, and it just escalates from time to time. And eventually, he'll just be empty. Yeah, and then you'll be sitting there with like a kilo of cocaine up your ass. It's the only way yeah, to... It's like- even make you feel as good as you did before you started all of this. Yeah. And then you just start to think, maybe I should just give up to the demon because I don't feel anything anyway. Let the demon take control. Yeah. Why not snort human bones? Let's try that. 
and suddenly it works for a yeah. week. <laughs> this is why uh, Slanesh is such a great uh, fuel for a cult, because there are so many things you could do to worship Slanesh. Yeah. And also, it's just like the perfect uh, noble cult. It seems like they're in... Uh, this, this is a nobility's god. It seems like they're in like all the role-playing games and all the stories. There's always like a Slanesh yeah. cult. And there's always it, nobility. Yeah, because it just, it just makes sense that the, they want to have the secretive cult and... Maybe the first time this guy brings a stripper, and then it just escalates further and further. There's this uh, uh, role-playing supplement uh, for second edition, I think, uh, that's about cults, and it's like this demonette stripper that is like uh, partially clothed, and she has like some cloths, just covering parts of her body, and you can just see that like maybe she was covering most of her body first, like for the first meetings, and then you just think as a woman. And then if you just take more and more drugs, like you won't know what's going on. Or maybe you succumb more and more to Slanesh and then you would just think that this is the normal thing. And then you're just way over your head and then you're a full-on Slanesh follower. I think, yeah, as with most cults, like you don't know what you're getting yourself into. But I think Slanesh has the power to be like the most inconspicuous cult like you really don't know that this is a, a chaos cult even like as chris said like if you want to be the best at music if you're a violin teacher as a follower of slanesh then you will have no idea because he will just push you to become better at violin that maybe and that's a very innocent to, thing maybe you just have to have this special hair for the bow all of a sudden yeah and just your, your violin all of a sudden you can play really great, but maybe you can't take the bow out of your hand. Yeah, maybe you can only feel when you're touching your violin, like the sense of your fingers, and then everything just feels dull, except for that. And then fast forward three weeks and you have made a harp out of someone's spine. Exactly. That escalated quickly. I was going to do that anyway. I would give it a oh, year, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah. Slanesh uh, for the Northman is really cool as well, I think. In Tamarkan, there's... Uh, when when he is fighting up in the north against these warbands, there's a really cool Sonesh leader. And uh, yeah, then it's just like about being the perfect warrior and just being the best swordsman and stuff like that. And just having so many followers that you just think that you're a god. And this fits very well with their aesthetic of just uh, leather bondage kind of fashion uh, with the Marauder warriors. Yeah, Sonesh is great. He just fits in everywhere. Uh I don't know what else to say. Uh, he, they got some of the greatest demon models as well. The Juan Diaz demonets. I can love those things. Amazing pieces. The same with... Uh, I actually like the new Plastic Fiends, to be honest. They're amazing. Yeah, really long tongues. The whippy tongues. All right. Uh, that's the gods. That's the, the gist of the, the big four gods. Yes, and... Uh, I know that we mentioned the chaos ways, but should we actually mention where it is in the old world? Because I know most people probably know this, but we should mention it. And uh, it is centered around the north pole of the planet. Yeah. Where the ancient Stargate project went awry. Yeah, it's also on the south pole, but no one is really there to notice them. So It's it, like penguins yeah, and polar bears. Uh, oh, just imagine chaos penguins. Yeah, but the major incursion that came from the north, and that happened a long time ago when the elves were at their prime and had to fight chaos and demons. And Anarion got so sad because he thought his wife was dead, so he took us up a sword that doomed the entire elven race. 
and then Kalidor fixed it, the entire problem with the demons, for a while at least. So, yeah. back to the north. Uh, it's basically the area between where every continent, for some reason, meets, because uh, there is no waterways through the north. So you've got uh, Nagaroth, Cathay, and, and along the eastern steppes, and then the Empire, and all of that do border the chaos wastes. Yeah, and as you can imagine, since it's chaos, it doesn't really have any fixed lines on the map where it ends. Always fluctuating. Yeah, it expands no, when uh, when it wants to. Yeah, it expands, and whenever time it every time it expands, it's usually followed by a huge invasion of chaos marauders and warriors and demons. Even old world Sweden is uh, mostly inside the chaos waste. Yeah, Norska. Uh, so they are basically the Vikings, but they are they're like the most civilized of the the chaos followers. Like a a Norskan that worships a chaos god can still visit the empire and still have a conversation with someone without trying yeah, to kill them. The south and Norskans, yeah. The north and yeah. Norskans. No, the northern Norwegians. The Norwegians usually come in long ships with access and uh, intent of. Uh, well, this is all this stuff is mine now. And oh, all of these villages are mine now. Yeah, Swedes will try and trade some fur with you. Uh, in the, the old stuff, I think first edition uh, uh, role playing game, they were even more civilized. And uh, they yeah. were even the ruling class of Kislev, the Norskans. But then they turned them a bit more savage. I think they've been turning more savage in the fluff the, the later on is gone. And uh, I, I, yeah. I just realized one thing. There is only one tribe that lives in the, in the Shadow Chaos that is actually named something that they should be feared. And it's the dreaded woe in Cathay. Who? Exactly. But Because everyone just got a regular like Hmong and uh, Agols and Quelligs and all of that. But they are actually called the dreaded woe. Whoa. Uh, uh, Jimmy, you're doing Kurgans, right? Kinda. I plan to do them, but when GW didn't release any new orders, I grinded my teeth. Yeah, the <laughs> Kurgan are like one of the, the biggest groups of people in the Chaos Ways. It's like, it's, yeah, and it's like an army out of Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, they're like the, the Huns, like Attila the Hun. Yeah. So that's a geographical area of chaos. It reaches down into Kislev and the, the the world that we care about, and then in Nagaroth, like the the dark elves, have some problem uh, fighting chaos. Sometimes they have some watchtowers and needs to put down some marauders. Yeah. On the other hand, a lot of those lands don't get raided as often. It is more opportunistic fighting, like it is with, between all of the tribes, because as we said, the darkels aren't wholly not chaos, so to speak. Yeah, and then uh, there's the Great Wall of Cathay, not all the Great Wall of China, that, that tries to protect them, but we don't really know anything about that because nothing has been written. Indeed. So, should we talk a bit about the army list then? Yes. Yeah, I think we should start with the marks, then was, move on to I was to just about to say the same thing, so I'd say great mind things alike, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So the way it works with marks is that you can buy a mark for your army uh, or a, for the different units for in your free army. unit. Yeah. Just remember that we have mentioned talked about the marks before in our heavy cav special, I think. But 
we're yeah. still we're going to go through them again because why not and probably in more detail yeah. this time yeah also yeah because the marks back then were only for regiments with marks now we have chariots exactly. with marks heroes with marks lords etc etc they all work differently all right so how does it work with marks can you mix marks you have to have the same mark as your general is it or how does it work let me see here Characters, units of Chaos Warriors and Chaos Knights and Chaos Chariots are assumed to have the Mark of Chaos Undivided. They can replace the Mark of Chaos Undivided with the Mark of one specific god at the additional cost shown opposite. Each of the five marks bestows its benefits on the character, unit, or chariot bearing it. The marks affects all models in a unit, and only characters bearing the same mark can join the same unit or ride in the same chariot. Sorcerers with the mark of a specific god also gains access to the god spell lore which they must use, and some characters may ride demonic mounts of their god. See Bestiary for the list section. A character or unit may only be given a single mark. So, no information there. Uh, I can. I have the other part open for yeah. the list, and that is, uh, the character you nominate as your general is very important, obviously. So, you must decide if your general is mortal or demonic, for the first part. So, a character without a demonic special rule is mortal, while a character with this is demonic, obviously. And then you have the restrictions. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go through this all of it right now. So if your general is mortal, then the mortal units count as core choices, and demon units count as special choices. If the general is demonic, then it is reversed. Uh, where the demonic are core and special choices are mortal. And in addition, whether your general has a mark or not affects your army composition. If your general is sworn to a particular god, his choices will be more restricted than if he worships the chaos undivided. So. If your general has the mark of Korn, Nurgle, Slander, or Sinch, uh, the, then other characters and units in the army may only have the same mark, or have no mark at all and be Chaos Undivided. If your general worship Chaos Undivided, then you may mix other marks in your army freely, with the following exception. You may only give a mark to a character if the army also contains a unit or chariot with the same mark, other than a spawn of Chaos. Uh, all demons and spawn of Chaos for of one of the four greater powers are assumed to have the mark of their god, although they may not necessarily have the exact rules benefit associated with the mark. For example, an army led by a bloodthirst of corn may include only undivided units and units with the mark of corn. This includes bloodletters, flesh, hounds, and blood beasts, as an example. All right, makes sense. Yeah. So you basically, if you have a Nurgle Lord, you can only have units that either have the mark of Nurgle or undivided. You can't have any Sinch units and stuff like that. If you have uh, an undivided general, then you can have any other mark, but you have to have like a character. You have to have a unit for each character of that mark. So if you want to have a big Sinch sorcerer, then you would have to have at least one unit of, let's say, warriors with the mark of Sinch. And if you have another character with the mark of Nurgle, then you could have some uh, Nurgle demons. And that would meet the quota yeah that is unless your general has a specific mark and that's nice because then you can do really really themed armies really really i want to pick whatever i want kind of armies yeah all right so let's go through the marks mark of nurgle a demon prince the mark no of no no mark of chaos undivided first oh yes of course it's so small yeah. barely notice yeah it. so small <laughs> So a character, unit, or chariot that has the mark of Chaos Undivided may reroll failed psychology tests. Which is really good, actually. Yeah. And this is the stock mark every unit comes with. 
Except for yeah, Marauders, Emerald Horsemen. Yeah, I was going to say, it's uh, really good for being free. Yeah. Uh, so, But that, I think it's really good because otherwise no one would ever take something undivided. If there is exactly. Unmarked, no gifts at all. Yeah, and Psychology says that includes fear and terror. Uh, and also panic. Yeah, so that's great. Great for uh, marching up towards uh, a gun line. Uh, all right. Yes, now, go on, Mark Nicholas. Of Nurgle. Mark of Nurgle. Uh, a demon prince has uh, plus one wound. An exalted demon of Nurgle also has plus one wound. Uh, a lord of Nurgle causes fear and has one wound extra. A hero also causes fear and has plus one wound. And a regiment causes fear and a chariot causes fear. So more resilient leaders and they all cause fear, which is great. Yeah, and demons cause fear in general. Yeah, yeah they do. They? Yeah, so uh, all those guts spelling out of your enemies' bodies is pretty terrifying. Yeah, and also there's the stench. I think yeah. that could also be the fear. Not only looking bad, they can smell bad as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, you want to do Mark of Corn, Jimmy? Sure. Uh, Demon Prince with Mark of Corn gets frenzy, even though they are otherwise immune to psychology. And uh, their presence on the battlefield adds one Dispel Dice to the player's Dispel Dice pile. And the same is actually for Exalted Demons of Corn. A Lord of Corn gets Frenzy, and uh, he also adds uh, one additional Dispel Dice. The same goes for a Hero of Corn against Frenzy. And an extra Dispel Dice. And oh, listen to this. Regiments of Corn also get Frenzy. The same rules apply to these guys as well. And the same for Chariots. And the reason why they get Dispel Dice is that they can't take any mages. Yeah. In a corn list. So Corn Army is going to have a hell of a Dispel Dice pile. Yeah, yeah. they usually uh, beat dwarves in number of Dispel Dice. Yeah. Sometimes quite easily. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the marks that can match this army. The Mark of Sinch. Oh, let's just, I just want to say with Mark of Corn, oh, that yeah. Frenzy, that was not obvious, uh, causes you, or it gives you another attack, uh, but it also makes you have to charge an enemy if you can. So yeah. you just always charge. And you can, uh, you can lead a, chaos, a corn army astray with this. Like If you put something in front of them, they have to charge it. So you can use this to use chase them away because they're so bloodthirsty they'll just go for anything so even if you put a little chaff unit in front of them they'll always yeah. try and run after that instead of your big scary unit fast cavalry is the bane of corn armies and snotling bases oh yeah snotling bases it's <laughs> time that little unbreakable snotling swarm in front of a bloodthirster <laughs> <laughs> oh no it's just so lovely alright go on Jimmy the mark of Sinch. Uh, Chris can take the Mark of Sinch. The Mark of Sinch. A demon prince of Sinch is a level 4 sorcerer. An exalted demon is a level 2 sorcerer. A lord of Sinch is a level 4 sorcerer and can cast spells while sparing mundane and or magic armor. And the hero is a level 2 sorcerer and can cast spells while wearing mundane and or magic armor. The regiment... In each uh, Chaos Magic phase, the unit generates an extra power dice. No dice are generated if the unit is fleeing. And the Chariot is exactly the same as the Regiment. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're going to have a hell a lot of power dice. Yeah. yeah. And that uh, ability to actually cast magic while using armor is quite nice, because usually this 
yeah, you have to wear this T-shirt if you want to cause magic. You <laughs> put on the put on the hoodie. You're too heavily armored to cause magic. Yeah, although compared to other marks, these are the most expensive marks there is. Yeah, I was just going to oh, say that, that, that all the, the marks for their characters is just yeah, they're like three way. times the cost. It's crazy. <laughs> but yeah. the, the the points for the regiment is really cheap. So it's really cheap to have just these batteries yeah, and with power dice. When it comes to 6th edition, if you want to go magic, you should probably go either all out or just have like a character with the spell scrolls. So the Siege Army is just going all out. Yeah, it's crazy when you see a Siege Army, it's the amount of magic they can throw at you. It's really fitting though. Oh yeah. And their spells are really good as well. Uh, they're a bit confusing though to anyone who is not a Siege player because they're all these called Red Fire, Orange Fire, Yellow uh, mm-hmm. Green Fire, Blue Fire, Indigo Fire, and Violet Fire. And you just go like, okay, so which one did what now? Yes, oh yeah, this thing is uh, 2d6 uh, strength d6 plus 1, and that thing is just d6 strength d6 blah blah blah, and you have no idea. I just have to pick a call of the rainbow. Yeah. So... Mark of Slanish. The Demon Prince of Slanish uh, always strikes first in close combat. If it, its opponent also has the ability to strike first, they're sold their attacks in normal initiative order, which usually isn't a problem with the Demon Prince of Slanish. Uh, the Exalted Demon always uh, strikes first, and same caveat there. Uh, the Lord of Slanish is immune to psychology, the Hero is immune to psychology, Unity is immune to psychology, and as a whopping surprise, the Charity is immune to psychology. Yeah, so it's basically a mark of Chaos Undivided, but it's a bit better. Just better. Yeah, yeah it's, it's immune instead of having to re-roll. Yeah. But uh, that's why it's just slightly more expensive than nothing. Yeah, it's the cheapest of the, the marks you can buy. Uh, it's, a, it's a good buff. It's really nice to just not have to worry about shooting casualties and stuff like that. Uh, fear, terror as well. Because even with a reroll, you can still fail. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say. It's just like a, a very useful thing overall. Uh, but I can't really say exactly what it will be good for. I don't know. It's just a nice buff to have for your army. Very popular amongst uh, cavalry chaos armies. Yeah, that is true. Because you have pretty small units and yeah. to start roll uh, panic checks. All right, those are the four marks. So let's talk about the, the army in general. How does it play, Jimmy? Hard and fast into combat. Yeah. If, yeah, compared to other armies, chaos are very close combat oriented. And yeah. there's like, we have one unit that actually shoots far, which is the, what's it called? The, the, the Hell Cannon. Uh, yes, the Hell Cannon from, what's the book called again? Storm of Chaos. I, yes. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so famined in my head. It's like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like, Chaos is the least shooty army in the game. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say, like, you could add some shooting units with Dogs of War in 6th edition. So that's uh, yeah. one way of getting shooting stuff. But in general, it's a very, very close combat orientated army. Which I think is a very thought out design thing for the game in general. You you want these guys to, to come at you. You don't want a, a castle chaos army. That would be kind of weird. You want to have these guys as the, the northern marauders just coming at you. And you want to have the Empire just standing yeah. and defending. 
And within the army, there's a lot of contrast because we have the Chaos Warriors and we have the Marauders and they're each other's opposites because warriors are tough men with high weapon skill, high strength, high toughness, high initiative and good armor save. While the Marauders have near human-like stat lines with weapon skill 4, initiative 4, but they have no armor whatsoever. Yeah. They can take uh, to boot. yeah. They can't take a lack of armor and shield, so that's pretty decent. They are yeah good fighters, and weapons go four is really decent. And as you said, yeah. they're very cheap yeah. and a very great way of uh, delivering a chaos champion. And then they got uh, light cavalry, the marauder horsemen. You can have uh, spears and flails and throwing axes yeah. and stuff. And then you have the knights of chaos that are like the that's the heaviest like, cavalry in the yeah. game. Yeah, and possibly the most expensive cavalry in the game. For sure. So they're 33 points each, and if you want to have them as chosen Chaos Knights, they are 45 points each. It's crazy. Before then, marks. Yeah, before yeah, exactly. marks. And if you put a like a mark of corn or something, they're they're going to be very pricey, yeah, but they're going to hit like a, a full, Yeah, and a full command is going to be another 50 points. Yeah, but on the other hand, if you manage to get a unit of these into combat... You have probably won the combat. You don't really have yeah. to roll anything. So after knights, we have chariots. Chariots are a very chaos thing. And they have sided wheels as well. And they've got a good armor save. Uh, so chaos chariots are really hard hitting. And you can yeah. put characters in there as well, which is great. So you can put a character in chariots. So you can have like three characters in chariots even. And then you'll have your minimum mortal units and hero units. Yeah, and the charioteers comes with... Uh halberds instead of an upgrade of spears that most other chariots do oh yeah it's great and then you have the warhounds of chaos that are just the greatest screening unit in existence yeah and it should uh, it's a dick move to equip them with the two twin linked turbolasers oh yes now i got what you meant <laughs> and uh, we're gonna go through the demon units as well even though there's not a focus on a pure demon this time. yeah so th the reason we're saying that is that there is like a you can have like a mono demonic army from the Storm of Chaos book that we will definitely do a deep dive in at some point uh, because it changes some of the ways you use demons. And you can only use demons in that. But the demons are in the Hordes of Chaos book. And in here you got Blood Letters, the corn demonic infantry. You got Flesh House of Corn, the dogs that Chris mentioned or Jimmy mentioned were chained to Corn's uh, throne. Uh, you got playbears, nerglings, they're just a swarm of uh, nasty things crawling towards you. Demonettes, some of the greatest models ever made. Very fast infantry, not very durable. Well, that depends on cool. which version of the demonettes, but yes. Oh, always the Juan Diaz. Uh, you got horrors that are just crazy. They can have flamers just jumping around the place, just annihilating units. Yeah, and if you kill one kind in a later list, basically turn into another kind but that's not in this list yeah I think. yeah yeah i don't think it's in here uh, was in fifth edition and earlier yeah yeah and also later because then you had like a blue horror that turned into yeah, they, two they, other horrors they and then they turn into they never added it to fantasy i think again no that was in 40k i think yeah in 40k yeah and that was annoying as hell and there are even more versions of them in age of sigmar it would yep. be interesting to have in fantasy, actually. Uh, horror swarms. It would look so cool. Yeah, just make them even more annoying. 
Also, there are some really great horror uh, models from uh, Silver Tower, is it, I think? Yeah. yeah. Now we have Screamers of Sint. Yeah, the... Manta Rays, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now they, we've got Furies. They fly around on uh, the winds of magic. Yeah. Yeah, and then Thank the Furies, you. as you mentioned. The, the Furies are really cool, I think. They are the weakest of the, the demons. Yeah, they're also very expensive, but they do yeah. the job. Yeah, so they are they're flyers, and because they're demons, they cause fear. So that's great. And they're strength four, uh, yeah. but they're and very weak. Since they're, they're flyers, three. yeah. And since they're flyers, they are also skirmishers. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're toughness three and leadership six, so they're pretty easy to to scare away. But you can basically yeah. use them the same way as you used the harpies in the Dark Elf book. Just yeah, annoy people except, and yeah. except that these guys have a five up word save. Against yeah. non-magical attacks, yeah, yeah, which makes them just a little more interesting. Yeah, I love the the description of them that they used to try and harass the weak units. So it's very fitting as well that they would be after artillery crew. Yeah, just isolated, and then when they attack someone, the their foes usually run away, and when they do, that's when the furies can really kill something. But if the unit that they attack actually stand their ground, then they're very likely to use to kill the fury. So yeah. the Furies are like flying goblins. And there's really <laughs> flying monkeys. Flying monkey goblins. So, But they're really great minis now for them now that we mentioned a lot of times from uh, the Warcry set. Yeah, definitely. I'm uh, looking forward to painting them up sometime in the future. And yeah, those are the demonic units. I, we didn't go... Oh, actually, we didn't go through the spawn. The, the only rare yeah, unit. Yeah, now we are on the rare units. Yeah. So, yeah, it's Spawn of Chaos. Don't yes. we say the word, you'll turn into one. Yay! So spawns are basically all the the failures in the Chaos Army. Yeah, or the most gifted men or women. Yeah, you go. That's what happens when you get too many gifts. You turn into yeah. a blob. <laughs> yeah, but it is quite interesting because you can upgrade them with different uh, god marks, basically, or different versions that uh, do different things, and. They are quite interesting because they've got special movement, special attacks, and the unbreakable fear in unit strength 3. So they can be yeah. useful, but they can also do nothing all game. I actually yeah. like the, the Fiend of Slanish upgrade. Uh, spawns have movement 2d6, and with the upgrade for 15 points, it gets 3d6 movement. This is, yeah. this is actually nice. I've seen the uh, Fireworm of Sinch do some great work uh, it gives you a strength 3 breath weapon so even if you don't make contact with the enemy yeah. forward, you can just find that that's really cool um, yep. I, well, I don't know if we actually said this but yeah it's divided into mortal units and demonic units so you don't have core or special in this. you do have rare but you don't have core or special that's depends on your general and beast is special probably going to get into that more when yeah. we talk about the beast list yeah. but anyhow uh, yep. regard, regarding uh, that, uh, the list building part, uh, the thing is you can build so many fun lists using just mortal units. Like we talked earlier off record is if you have uh, two chariots, you can add two characters onto them. So your army, a legal army is two models two chariots because in in this book uh chaos champions and lords they swap places with one of the riders in an existing chariot in the army yeah 
we should also mention that there is technically a separate, a second, not regiments uh, of renown. There's a war rare choice for the chaos list, and that is the hell cannon of chaos. Yeah, because out one hell cannon of chaos may be taken in a mortal chaos army, counting as two rare choices. Yep. And uh, yeah, the hell cannon is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's crazy. It's, so basically, it's like a, a living uh, catapult and uh, fires a small blast that's strength 10 in the middle and strength 5 in the small is it, blast. Is it the small? Yeah, yeah. so it's the small. Okay. And then first you place the small blast, and that's the like the explosion. Do the damage, and then you place the big blast in the same place. And anyone under the big blast has to take a panic test. Oh, that's nasty. And, and also, when you place the small blast before you resolve the damage, the enemy unit may uh, choose to flee instead of taking the damage. So they can see that big purple ball flying towards them, and they're just, screw this, we're running. Yeah, I reckon we're going to do a full rundown of the Hell Cannon when we do an artillery tactica, but uh, just have to read some parts of the rules for it. Which is Rampage. The Hell Cannon may not declare charges. However, in the compulsory movement phase, roll, roll 2d6. If the number roll is equal to or greater than the distance between the Hell Cannon and the nearest enemy unit, the Hell Cannon will immediately charge into combat with that unit if possible. Yeah. Which is lovely. Or on a ro misfire roll of a 1, the Hell Cannon breaks its bonds, kills its crew, and attempts to charge the nearest unit. See Rampage. Yeah, it's just so crazy. Uh, and you can you can eat your own crew, and then it'll just charge your own units as well if you're unlucky. It's just yeah. it's like a, a a crazy pit bull is tied to a to a pole. Yeah. And also fires magical blasts. It's insane. Uh, <laughs> May choose undivided demo demonic gifts from page forty-eight of Hordes of Chaos only. A total of fifty points. Oh, I Wait, didn't what? know that. It crazy. I didn't know it either. I'm gonna check this out. So you mean it is annoying enough as it is, and then you can just upgrade it even worse or even better depending on your point of view 50 points of demonic gifts right so the, yeah total yeah. of 50 points yeah you can give it so that it's harder to hit by shooting uh spellbreaker it can eat spells oh that's pretty cool actually oh it's just a one use like yeah a, but this still. scroll you yeah. can have a, a a scroll caddy demon a hell cannon perfect it can have a true ward save. <laughs> so before we went into the Hell Cannon rabbit hole, where were we? <laughs> <laughs> Master so, of Mortals! So yeah, we didn't uh, go through the Lords and Heroes. Uh, Let's start with the Heroes. Okay. So we've got the Exalted Champion of Chaos. And then we got the Aspiring Champion of Chaos. And they these are basically your, your fighting characters. Exalted Champion is 100 points, Aspiring Champion is 80 points, and that's reflected through their stats. Yeah, and uh, it's the Aspiring Champion that can be the battle standard bearer of the army. Yeah, he's uh, not quite there yet. He's got to carry the pole. That is also reflected in the rule of Aspiring Champions and Sorcerers cannot be the general if any other type of character is present. So it's a, also, it's a junior character, no matter what. Yeah. Also, the Exalted Champions can ride demonic mounts. And uh, as Chris said, there's also Sorcerer of Chaos. He's a hero-level sorcerer, just like any other hero. He starts at level 1 and can become level 2 for 35 points. And then we've got a demon in the hero section as well, an Exalted Demon. It counts as two hero choices, and he is just a flying monster, pretty much. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a smaller demon prince. In the uh, despairing champion. It's one of the he's weapon skill six, uh, strength five, toughness four, two wounds, initiative six, three attacks, leadership eight. So it's pretty good. And the exalted yeah. champion is the same. He's just got weapon skill and initiative seven, and four attacks. Oh, four. Yeah. So, so he's he's going toe to toe with a lot of other lord choices in other armies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and they start with chaos armor, which is four plus save. Yeah. Oh, I just want to mention that for anyone playing in later editions as well. Uh, Warriors of Chaos and Knights of Chaos have heavy armor and only get Chaos armor if they're upgraded to, uh, what are they called? Chosen. Chosen, yeah. Yeah, and they also get more attacks being chosen. In 6th uh, edition, they have one attack at, at, uh, at the beginning. In later editions, they have two attacks for being a normal Chaos Warrior or Knight. Yeah. All right, let's go to Lords. The Lord of Chaos is like uh, the hero, but he's got uh, weapon skill 8 instead of 7. He's got toughness 5, he's got 3 wounds, initiative 8 and 5 attacks, and leadership 9. So he yeah, is a beast. Yeah, he's on steroids. The Lord of Chaos can probably rival a lot of uh, special characters in other armies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and this is before you even give him items as well. Yeah. Yeah. And as we said, he can basically take every kind of weapon that everyone else can take in this list. Uh, you can get, take a mix of magic items from the common or chaos magic items list up to 100 points. And then you can swap the, swap the marks around. And uh, you can ride anything from a dragon to chaos to a steed of slanish, depending on what you want or depending on the mark you give him. Because to get, take the demonic god-specific mounts, you have to take the mark, corresponding mark as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got the Assaulted Sorcerer of Chaos. It's the Lord Sorcerer. Can be up to level 4. And the great thing about this guy is that he is also a beat stick. Or he's only chaos got two armor. attacks. Yes. He also has Chaos Armor, which is awesome. Because, as Chris said, many other sorcerers used to have a t-shirt. Yeah. It's lovely to uh, rely on that 6 plus naked save. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of other characters don't have armor saves at all when they are wizards because they can't yeah, smell being wizards then we have the demon prince movement yeah. six weapon eight strength and toughness five four wounds initiative eight five attacks and leadership nine the stat lines are very close to the lord of chaos actually it's yeah. the wounds that are more um, yeah it's one or more wound and yeah two better more movement. movement but but he is he also fly yeah he also has yeah. the demonic rule and it's unit strength three. So yeah. he's a big guy, a big boy. I'm actually a bit surprised with these uh, hero and lord demons that they start with wings. I would assume that, that that would be an upgrade, but they both start with wings. And these are just regular, like if you want to make them god specific, you can demon princes, but they're just regular, like regular badass demon princes that are not yeah, also, really have yeah. to be tied to a god. Also, regarding the wings, I would say you don't need to model the wings because they could levitate or just jump very far. So There's a really you don't... cool uh, Necron character that you could mod to be a yeah. demon prince. I could uh, make a bunny from hell, jumping 20 Yeah, inches. you could do that too. Definitely. But then they should just scale it to an in-world bunny on a base. <laughs> yes. 
Multiplied also, is strong in this one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like usually, you can give the Demon Prince a mark. And uh, if he's unmarked, so with Mark of Chaos Undivided, he can use, if he is a sorcerer, he can use the Shadow Death Fire Lords of Magic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good to mention he can be up to level four or no yeah. levels. So you can keep him pretty cheap. This is just as a combat character or it can be up to level four. So it'd be yeah. a mad wizard demon. Yeah. Uh, besides the demon prince, you also have the specific uh, lord of demons of the gods, the bloodthirster, the keeper of secrets, the lord of change, and the great unclean one. And these are all massive things, and they're at least 600 points. Yeah, and everyone at least have one stat line at 10. I'm looking at the great unclean one with 10 wounds. Yeah, it's insane. Toughness six as well. Holy shit. Yeah. Hard to yeah. The others have initiative 10. Yeah. I don't ever think I've actually seen one of these on the table. Have you ever played against one of these? I've played against a Bloodthirster a couple of times. Same here. The other ones were really rare for me, at least, to face. Yeah. I might have faced uh, like a lot of change once, but that was in a really large game. Just. I f- yeah, I, I faced the others in 40k a lot of times, but in fantasy, only the Bloodthirster. Yeah, I remember like these four demons were such a hallmark thing of fantasy when I started out with it. Like, these were the, the mods you go like, holy shit, look at that thing. It's so crazy. It's so big, it's so dangerous, shoot it with a cannon or two. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the keyboard changes, the dull one is a great model. I love it. It's just so insane. This bird in a big white flowing garm garment. I don't know what it is. Like it's crazy. Uh, yeah, that's the the whole army list. And we were talking about uh, how they're used. They're mostly mostly uh, an assaulting army running towards the enemy, and they do it pretty well. I would say. I think it would be a, yeah. a fun army to play. It's just endless possibilities. Yeah, it's, it's it's always fun to face them too because of 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 course you're gonna use magic and missile fire and artillery fire to do what you can to whittle their numbers before they get to you. So it's it's a challenge, if anything. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Joseph said to me once that it's a bit ironic as well that it is the army with the most choice of what you can take, but it's limited by. Uh, it's the cost of everything because everything is so good except for the marauders that you won't have points enough to have everything that you want. <laughs> uh, especially the wards of chaos and knights of chaos. Especially if you make any of them chosen, you're gonna run out of yeah. points very fast. Uh, but yeah, both me and Jimmy have ongoing chaos projects. We haven't gotten very far either of us. Like no. I have my army assembled. I'll sit down and paint it some point maybe while the world is burning around me i'll be painting my chaos <laughs> i have a lot of models wanting to be built but uh like i mentioned earlier i would love some new modern marauder kits but yeah. since they didn't release one i've kind of been leaning towards doing a corn army because i have a lot of these blood reavers around i have uh some cool new corn demon units in plastic, like the flesh hounds. Hint, yeah. hint. 
Yeah, they're they're great. Yeah, yeah, they're absolutely fabulous. Uh, so I I, I want to field like three units of five or something. Yeah, and I saw the those uh, Blood Reavers that they were like one of yeah. the first things that they released for Age of Sigmar, but they're they work yeah. perfectly as Marauders. Yes. And I do plan to fill them with double-handed weapons or flails. Perfect. Yeah. So why, why wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, how do we feel about this? About chaos in general? Yeah, have we, uh, oh, what we have mentioned so far. Should we maybe move on to the question we actually have gotten for this episode? Or should we continue to wax lyrically about uh, the glory of the gods? Who asked this question? An individual that goes by the... Moniker of Middenheimer on Instagram. Bought some old Chaos Knights, Chariots and Marauder Horsemen to paint a full cab army and would love to listen uh, to a podcast episode about Chaos to decide which god his, his army should follow and uh, what troops to purchase and stuff like that. Do any one of us have a nice little inkling of uh, cav army for this one a lot of them about uh, the marauders and stuff like that uh i mean you you could really play any of the gods uh, i kind of feel instantly that, like a full cav army would fit well with slanish as jimmy said it works well with the rules yeah. that if you take casualties you don't have to worry about running away it also seems fitting that they they're just fast movers and you have a smaller elite force with cavalry and and i Hope to got some of those old uh, knights because I'm looking at a picture of them right now in the Orsa Chaos book and they are excellent. I'm so happy I have 16 of them. Oh, they're, they're so good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> regarding what which mark to pick, I would say it all depends on which kind of playstyle you want. Do you want this beat stick of a character? Then I actually would dare going on Mark of Corn and Undivided for for the marked units, or if you want to add that heavy heavy magic usage, you should go Mark of Cinch. If you just want to work on the army itself, like you don't really care what kind of characters you have or or such things, and just let the units do the job, I would say Mark of Slanish or Mark of Chaos Undivided is the way to go. Yeah. Mark, Mark of, of Nurgle fits better in uh, a infantry army, I think. The only part that really could benefit is the fear, but on the other hand, you might risk up ending up with a cavalry unit standing in nowhere when the enemy runs. Yeah, and also you would have to have pretty big unit sizes to benefit from the fear. Yeah, yeah that, that would be very expensive with uh, Chaos Knights and Chaos Marauder Horsemen. Oh, they they can't even have the mark. Yeah, so yeah, you would have to have big units of Chaos Knights, and that would be very very pricey. So if you go with a an undivided list, you can add in a little bit of what you want as well. Yeah, really, but you won't have uh, as niche army in that case. Yeah. And if you go but, with the uh, Marcus Slanish, you could also have some mounted demonettes, and you could have a hero or lord on the infamous Boogsnake. Yeah, but That's also a- it opens up the lore of Slanish spells because one of those spells is perfect for in 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 conjunction with the, a lot of cavalry, which is the titillating delusions remains in place. Oh, I hate that thing. Yeah, a slanish creates an illusion of the enemy's deepest desire and they find it impossible to resist the urge to capture it. This may be cast on an unengaged enemy unit within 24 inches. Mark a point on the tabletop and within the unit's line of sight for the illusion to appear. 
In the remains, remaining moves part of their movement phase, the affected unit must move as directly and quickly as possible towards this point. Uh, and it will charge and fight any enemy units that lies along its line of advance. It remains in place until the caster decides to end the spell or it is dispelled. So this can help the army get hard as nail units to go in the direction they want and get flank and rear charges with their cavalry. Yeah, I've had this happen to me many times. My regular opponent and his slanish army is really annoying. And yes, Jimmy says it's perfect because you can just like even have this happen to you one turn where you can't spell it because they can probably dispel it after their movement phase. Uh, yeah. But you usually need this to happen once to have your yeah. cavalry be in range of them. There's also other spells they can use, like the uh, Luxurious Torment, where you give one unit Frenzy, and you can cast it on friends and foes. So you can give your foe the Frenzy spell rule, so they have to charge specific unit, and you can like flee, and they get a fail charge, and you can reaction charge them in the later turns. Yeah. The same with Delicious, delicious Excruciation where an enemy unit or friendly unit becomes unbreakable. So if you if you know the enemy will break if I fight him, so they can shoot at me in the next turn, why not just make them unbreakable so they won't flee? And you just stand there and fight until the next turn. Yeah. There you go, Menenheimer. Do a Slanish army. We command you. And we hope to see many excellent pictures on your Instagram. I, I love this Instagram yeah. account. Yeah, I, I actually do think that Using all, all the kind of mechanics with magic and uh, maneuvering movement, Slanish is the way to go. Yeah, and if uh, for some reason you, you want to branch out, you can always do like Slanish Demons or just uh, buy some Dark Elves and merge your armies. Have a Cult of Pleasure on Star Chaos. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's the thing uh, we didn't mention. Uh, there is a Cult of Slanish Dark Elf list. And it's really cool because that's the only like non-human chaos worshippers in any of the games, I think, or at least after the uh, the original realm of chaos books. So yeah, it's a really cool list if you want to branch out. Indeed. All right. Do we have any other questions? No, that's uh, the only question we have for this, at least. Then right. we have uh, for the Beast episode, but that's uh, not this one. So those will be answered in the Beast episode. Great. Do we have anything else we want to say about chaos or is that a wrap? Well, since we are technically wrapping up, I think we should say that Warhammer Mark of Chaos Gold Edition is now on uh, GOG.com for like Ooh. sub 100 kroners. That is true. Maybe I should get it. I, I have it on a disk somewhere in yeah, Sweden. Same here. I have it on disk. I don't have a disk drive on my computer. <laughs> yeah. It, it's actually like a, a really good game. Like even now, I watched someone do a playthrough of it a while ago, and it's still like a, a really great game. Yeah, it uh, captures the feeling of the Warhammer world a bit better than the Total War games does. Yeah. Also, since it's the Gold Edition, it do come with the expansion Battle March, which uh, contains Dark Elves and Orcs and Goblins. Oh, I didn't even and, know about that. And man, did I have fun with that Orcs and Goblins campaign. Those sneaky dark elves, I tell you. Those sneaky dark elves. <laughs> Should also mention one more thing: the the GOG.com version do work on Windows Seven, Eight, and Ten, which is also important. I'm not sure 
it would be that easy to get the original version to work on a modern computer. Yeah, I'd have to reinstall my Windows 2000 XP. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it didn't work on Vista back then. Nothing worked on Vista. It's Vista wasn't as bad as uh, ME, though. <laughs> ME was the only version of Windows that could technically uninstall itself. <laughs> That's an impressive feat. I just uh, boot your computer one day and it just says uh, that you don't have an operating system anymore. It's a feature, not a bug. I promise you. Yeah, lovely, lovely feature. No operating operating system. So if anyone got any questions about Chaos, Beasts and uh, Demons, send them in because then we can take them up in our next yeah. Chaos episode. I'm not sure if it will be the next one or not, but uh, we'll see when we actually get to record. And Yeah. That's it for this episode. Hope yeah. you enjoyed it in your your lockdown state, if you're doing that right now. And hopefully we'll be able to record some more soon. 